Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. He is a brilliant human being, dear friend of mine. His name is Peter Crone. Peter works with everyone from world-class athletes to stay-at-home parents to redesign the subconscious mind. We exist within limiting mental constructs that dictate our thoughts, feelings, actions, and the results we experience. Peter helps people and groups step outside of the world as they know it by identifying mental constructs that have been holding them back. Peter's work explores the fundamental issues that affect us all to foster a deeper understanding of our common humanity. Peter is a writer speaker, and thought leader in human awakening and potential. You all are going to learn so much from him. And be sure to stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end, I answer another one of your burning health questions in an Ask Me Anything. All right, this is Peter Crone's Art of Being Well. The man, the myth, the legend, Peter Crone. This, I can't, I'm excited this is happening, finally. Me too. I like that. I haven't heard that intro. I've heard the, <laughs> the world's most interesting man from Dos Equis, but the man, the myth, the legend. All right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I love your work. And I'm so, I know people that listen to this podcast are going to love it, get so much out of it, geek out on it, on all the stuff we're going to talk about. So let's, let's dig into it. I want to frame, you've heard this quote probably a million times about you. I think it was the Financial Times. It says, meeting Peter Crone is like meeting Buddha, 
Einstein and Austin Powers at the same time. So let's just start there. <laughs> let's talk about your work, yeah. how it came to be. Let's just frame the conversation for people. We, we could take the whole, have along this podcast is going to be just to unpack that one quote, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. The, tri the triumvirate there of like, I, I loved it. The journalist, it was just such a, for me, obviously, it, you know, it sounds redundant. It's very complimentary, right? So of course I'm going to love it, but I thought it was really so poignant and accurate because it speaks to what I really like to bring into my work, which is a profound sense of spirituality, which is Buddha, like our true essence, revealing who we are as beings, not to be misconstrued as these physical avatars. And then Einstein, which is really to play in the realm of physics, right? Like you can have all the opinions in the world you want, but let's look at what's actually happening in the world of relativity. And then Austin Powers, baby. Yeah, because I like to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Do I make you horny? Do I? Yeah. <laughs> they need a big so to encapsulate me perfectly. It does. It does. They need to bring back an Austin Powers reboot. I think we're due for that. I think we do. I think the world could use a little bit more lightheartedness, love, and humor. It's all about love, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the mind architect. And I heard you say once, I, I hope I don't get this wrong, is that you don't solve people's problems, you dissolve them, you dissolve right. them. So what do you mean by that? So we live in a society that is very, you know, sort of trigger happy when it comes to quick fixes, right? As you know, I mean, look at the depth of work that you've done for as long as you've done, which really goes to causative factors, right? But most people are truly looking at this sort of external stimulus, internal reaction world of like, okay, well, if I can get something, a celebrity secret, that can fix all of my woes. So it's a very solution-based mindset that people have, but that's a reactive framework. And so for me, I, I really recognize life is, is an internal job. Everything that we have from our disposition to our skin is it's from the inside out, right? As you know, being an expert in the gut and in Ayurveda with my work, we recognize, you know, there's a beautiful expression, which it says with good digestion, medicine is not necessary. Mm -hmm. With bad digestion, medicine doesn't work. Right. So it really speaks to the power of having solid digestion. But then what does that do in terms of the magic of the alchemy? Right. So we we chew, we swallow and then there's digestion, then it gets absorbed and then there's metabolism. And eventually the apple that you ate sort of becomes a skin cell. Right. But it's from that inside out. So that's why for me trying to rectify, you know, using that analogy to continue, if someone had bad skin because they're eating shitty food and they don't have good digestion. Yes, of course. We have compassion, especially if it's a woman and she's self-conscious, she may use makeup or lasers or, but that's that external solution. So my dissolution process as it relates particularly to the subconscious mind is let's reveal what is the fundamental construct that people are stuck in that has them have these external symptoms of anxiety, depression, addiction, relationship woes, you know, even disease, right? So so that's why I'm not interested in solving a problem. If you have a problem, it's already too late. We've got to mm -hmm. get to the causative factors. Mm -hmm. And so I dissolve whatever is the fundamental limitation, which for me resides in the subconscious as a byproduct of all of the triggers that got uh, turned on during childhood. And mm -hmm. um, that's that's why I love what I get to do, because it's a, it's a process of liberation versus coming up with some sort of mechanism or strategy. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is so many different types of and unhealthy relationships, right? Or, or disease or dysfunction. So I've heard you talk about just people being uncomfortable in their own skin. And 
I mean, the amount of people that have just a background anxiety and worry and dread or apathy or panic attacks. Yeah. I mean, I could go on. It's it's rampant in our culture. And obviously we know there's physiological inflammatory components of that, gut components of that. But there's so many really uh, things from our past, past traumas or past the way we were raised. And this is what you're really uncovering through your work and it can impact yeah. our relationships today. It can make us just feel uncomfortable with ourselves and we don't have a good relationship with, with ourselves. Or like you said, it can manifest in our actual health because yeah. mental health is physical health. So can you talk about these, like the top things that you've found that really block people from having freedom in their life, having wellness in their life? Yeah, I mean, the book that I'm writing you know, I've delineated in part of my sort of mad science, that would be the Einstein part, but also tied in with the Buddha is the, what I consider to be the 10 primal constraints that everybody has just by virtue of being human. You know, aside from any mutations in our genes, most humans are going to have two arms and two legs. It's part of the anatomy, right? So likewise, for me, when I look at the anatomy of the subconscious, I've delineated these 10 primal constraints. And so, you know, one that everyone can relate to is the feeling of not being enough. Right. So that's where there will be these compensatory patterns that people develop, like people pleasing, perfectionism, being super, super preoccupied with their appearance as a means of trying to garner some sort of value. You know, if I look pretty enough, if I look strong enough, whatever it is for a male or female, then that's a that's a strategy. Right. That's an adaptation to the deeper seating feelings of inadequacy or not being enough. So that would be one constraint. So that's one that I think most people can really relate to. The one consistent throughout is really the energy of resistance that I want people to understand is whenever, you know, we're in a state of resistance, we therefore ipso facto have to be in a state of suffering because life is always the way it is, right? Like, you know, your body right now, even if you don't like the shape or your body right now, because you don't like the fact that it's sick or your relationship that perhaps isn't passionate, or you don't feel like you're seen or recognized or your career that isn't fulfilling or doesn't pay you enough, whatever it is that people have as a perceived problem, that problem is a psychological relationship to reality. But reality is always the way it is. But our resistance to reality is what creates the suffering that then we're actually trying to escape. And then there's a myriad of ways of people doing that, right? Food, marijuana, alcohol, sex, you know, prescription drugs. But if we can actually mitigate the resistance by finding a profound sense of acceptance for the way things are, that doesn't mean we condone the way things are. We don't want them the way they are. That's where we have now some domain and personal choice over making some transformations in our life. But for, for right now, things are the way they are. So, you know, the first access to getting a glimpse of the work that I bring people, which is freedom, is to drop the resistance to reality. So is Easier that, said than done. Yeah, right. We can talk about that process. And you, I've heard you talk about, and I think it's this is what you're referring to, is this death of self and how mm -hmm. this death of self, it's paradoxical, but it could be like liberation for people. What do you mean yeah. by death of self? And what does that process look like? How do, how do we begin that process? Yeah, beyond can be liberation, I said is liberation, right? So the I like the the demise of self or the death, because death is so, especially in the current climate where death has been used as a, a a manner of creating fear. I would say it's in, you know, sadly, it's been intentionally used to incite more fear in people with death trackers and all of that crap. But you know, the demise of someone's identity is the 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 relinquishment and the reconciliation of any form of constraint that belongs to that identity, 
Mm. Right? So just like a snake sheds its skin, think of taking anything off of oneself that could be confined. You know, in, in Hinduism, they have a beautiful expression about death, which is they cry with the born and they celebrate the death because they know when you're born, you're born into this world of suffering. But they die because you're sort of now you're free. But they equate death as like for a woman who, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of female listeners, but women can relate to this, which is it's like taking off a tight shoe, right? You know, you think about how much pressure is put on women in terms of appearance. They got to wear the crazy expensive high heels or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of beauty in that, I understand. But invariably they get home, can't wait to kick them off because it's so discomforting. So similarly, the discarding of one's identity that is founded in any form of limitation or inadequacy is a form of death, but it reveals the underlying freedom, which is what I assert everyone's looking for. Mm -hmm. So that's why the irony of truly being alive is to constantly actually let go of the idea of oneself. And the idea of oneself is a very convoluted conversation, right? It's been accumulated over time. Like, so when mom said this and dad did that and you're older sibling got more attention for whatever. And we start to accumulate these narratives about ourselves founded in inadequacy, insecurity, and scarcity. That becomes the stronghold on our soul or our spirit that is discomforting that when we shed is that form of liberation that is, is my work for people. In a perfect world, what would you like to get done every day? Starting your day with De-Stress Blend from my friends at Ned is the first step in making healthy decisions throughout the day, creating a better habit loop. Ned is USDA certified organic, and they're doing very innovative things in the health and wellness space. Ned's incredible brand new product, the De-Stress Blend, has been in development for over a year. They use a one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG, and it's made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp and features a botanical infusion of ashwagandha, which you know I love adaptogens and the science around that. They also use cardamom and cinnamon, and it's, again, all USDA-certified organic. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, which is our body's anti-stress, anti-anxiety neurotransmitter, and just basically it's responsible for our body's stress regulation. Cardamom has been shown to really also improve your body's resilience against stress. And cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic for your gut microbiome, which is your second brain. And also it helps to balance blood sugar, which further helps your body's resilience against stress. If you would like to give Ned a try, and I know you will, the Art of Being Well listeners get 15% off Ned products with code WILLCOLE. Visit helloned.com slash willcolt to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash willcolt to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring The Art of Being Well and offering my listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Our next partner has a product I use all the time. I recommend it to my patients. It is such a convenient, nutrient-dense tool to have in your wellness toolbox, and that is Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, 
minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, so much good stuff to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, supports your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality, bioavailable ingredients that your body can actually absorb and use. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than that cold brew habit. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop. That's all you have to do, my friends. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's all you need. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it really easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And I have to say, when I'm consulting patients, I see vitamin D deficiency in just about everybody and you need it for regulation of inflammation, you need it for immune system, for energy, for mood, so many things. And they're also going to give you five free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, it's your friend, Alexandra Potora. I don't know if you're ready for this, but if you are, take a listen to Backbone, Not Wishbone, a podcast about business, career, money, and of course, wellness, because what good is success if we're a bunch of fucking wrecks, right? I'm sharing the most granular and specific tips and tactics for success in business and achieving wellness. So come to Backbone, Not Wishbone, let's connect and let's succeed together. When someone has that death of self, I, I've heard it said, die before you die. It's kind of the same concept, right? Yeah. So this this concept, this, this meditation practice, is it a one thing or are we constantly getting into the space of, of dying before we die? Or what, what does it look like? So practically, you know, it can be sort of this euphoric one event, like, but invariably that's more rare than it's a progression, right? So I talk about enlightenment isn't like an event. It can be like where suddenly somebody has such a profound reconciliation of self that they're just left in relationship to their true, true identity of self capital S right. Mm -hmm. Versus the persona. But normally for me, enlightenment is a progression. It's, it's, it's like chipping away at something like in anything, you know, if you want to become I work with a lot of pro athletes. Like, so if it was a golfer who wanted to become a pro, it's like, you don't suddenly become pro overnight. You're progressively becoming more adept at the different aspects of the game. You know, equally, if somebody wanted to be an actor, you know, they would have to take on classes and it wouldn't be like all of a sudden you're as good as, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis or someone who's got this like real ability to basically pretend, which is what people are doing. But, you know, anything that has a sense of mastery over it, is going to take a certain degree of time and consistent repetition. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I work with people, they're usually these sort of really poignant moments where somebody realizes, wow, they're 30 now, 40, 50, 60, and they've lived within a particular constraint for three, four, five decades. And that moment is so 
it's such a revelation for them that it, it will never be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Then once they see, wow, you know, using the, the example I cited earlier, that yes, they thought they weren't good enough because, you know, the quintessential example, they came home with a B instead of an A and dad kind of had a frown on his face and they interpreted that as, you know, I didn't please my father and now I'm not enough. And so for the rest of their life, they were constantly trying to overcome that feeling of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. And they realized, wow, 40 years old, I have, you know, insomnia, I got anxiety and I'm in a job that doesn't fulfill me. You know, it's really an extension of that deep-seated feeling of I'm not enough and I've constantly been trying to compensate. So at that moment that they realize that that is actually a pretense, it's not a truth, there is this huge moment of like, oh, and I always see even physiologically the release, right? The Mm. respiratory rate changes. If we were measuring their vitals, their blood pressure would drop, right? Their heart rate would drop. And then, as you know, they would go more into parasympathetic mode. They would digest their food properly. They would sleep. You know, the the cascade is so beautiful once you shift someone's mindset. I've seen people with all sorts of sicknesses, which to me is symptomatic of this mindset of, you know, suffering, that then it just suddenly just dissipates within a, you know, depending on the severity of the disease, but within weeks or months. But once, so that's the big aha moment But once that person using this guy as sort of an example, once he sees, wow, I have spent three, four decades trying to compensate to fundamentally appease my view that my father didn't love me for me. Now I don't have to do that. One, massive liberation. Two, there's now got to be the practice of what does it look like to be a human being who's no longer being driven by the feeling of inadequacy, which is at that moment that I reveal it. That's something they're unfamiliar with because all they've ever known is that previous construct. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like you I open the floodgates of awareness, but then the second stage is always about constant practice to become a master in the world of no longer trying to fundamentally prove myself, which for most people is such a foreign concept that it's going to take a while. It makes complete sense. I, I get that. What yeah. I've heard you talk about these two lies that people tell themselves that that lead to this suffering, that lead to health problems and dis-ease, whether in their body or their spirit somehow. What are these two lies? What, what are we doing? There's a myriad of lies, actually. I would say there's, you know, if I were to break it down to the system that I created or that came through me in meditation, is there's 10 predominant lies, which we can't go through here and I, I, I wouldn't anyway, cause that's my book. So I want to save something yeah. <laughs> for people. Yeah. Um, but one is, one is what I just shared that I'm not enough, right? Not enough. Yeah. That is, I'm not enough. And you know, another one that was speaking to, or I was speaking to with regards to resistance is believing that the way life is or the way someone's life is personally is not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, think about the expression I'm getting there. How many people say I'm getting there? Like it's sort of, con- it, 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 predisposes the idea that where I am is not it and that my life, my ideal life is in the future, right? So that then creates that energy of resistance because if this is not it, this my life is not it right now, but you're under the impression that it's going to be in the future, then that's going to be an eternal sense of dissatisfaction because mm-hmm. you're always where you are, <laughs> right? It's not to say that it's not fulfilling or you know, it's a sense of accomplishment when we work towards things that we actually attain. That's great. That's creative. That can give us a sense of fulfillment. 
But to deny where you are, that would be a lie. Is that though no, no, this isn't my life and this isn't my body and this isn't the career I really want, mm-hmm. but it is because that's what you have. So right. there are two examples of the lies, you know, yeah. one that I gave earlier, not enough. That's a lie. Like, where is the not enoughness about you other than the narrative and the dialogue you have that you reinforce with the evidence that you mm-hmm. have from your history where you've had some kind of trauma, whether it be extreme or mild, you know, somebody lives in a beautiful home who's not wanting for anything and they're well-fed and they go to beautiful schools, their form of trauma might be, as I said, getting a B as opposed to an A. Mm-hmm. Conversely, somebody who grows up in a, you know, a rougher part of town and maybe they have a single parent, their other parent is incarcerated and maybe the single parent is a drunk, their feeling of inadequacy might be that they see colleagues and friends who they have a nice car and their family doesn't, you know, or it could be that they join a gang and they don't have enough tattoos or, you know, the gang member that they know sells heavier drugs and they don't like, it, it doesn't really matter the form of relativity that just turns on the trigger within us that creates the lie that somehow there's something insufficient about us. Mm-hmm. That's just not a truth. There's not mm-hmm. for anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I could say that I'm inadequate as it relates to being able to dunk a basketball. Yeah, but uh, it's because I never grew up playing and I'm 6'3", which isn't short, but it's not seven foot like most guys. And it doesn't mean that who I am is in it. It means that, yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I'm not very good at basketball, <laughs> but that doesn't, you know, it's about differentiating where I have a skill or I don't have a skill versus how am I actually p- uh, placing value on my essence of my true self? Mm-hmm. No one is flawed in the absolute you know, the, the nature of themselves, then you just have whatever, you know, aptitudes you have, whatever IQ you have, whatever wealth, that's all sort of secondary. Mm -hmm. I get it. So you talk, I mean, this lie of not being enough, this feeling of inadequacy, and we think this is who we are. And you talk about having this trust in the universe, I think is is a part of that freedom. Can you talk about what that means, that concept of trusting in the universe and how we can start to do that in our lives? Yeah. Again, I write in quotes and so I use a lot of them. And one that is sort of more tongue in cheek, I say, I'm a trust fund maybe. And not because I was left a penny, you know, for some people who know my story, I, I was orphaned at a young age. My mom passed when I was seven, my dad when I was 17, and I was an only child. So I literally was, quote, unquote, by myself. And my family did okay. It wasn't like we were poor, but we certainly weren't wealthy. My dad had met somebody else, kind of not a stepmom, but whatever. Basically, anything that he had went to her. So I wasn't left a penny. But I used the joke of being a trust fund baby as it relates to my perception of the universe, which is I'm held by the universe, which is a far greater form of abundance than, you know, a few thousand bucks my dad might have left, right? So developing trust like that is is the journey in of itself. And that's what I was saying about process, especially because most people have been hurt. You know, most human beings walking around are fundamentally hurt by virtue of, you know, for some people, thousands of disappointing experiences. For, for others, maybe hundreds, but just by virtue of being human, you're going to get like, you know, things are going to happen, trials and tribulations and disappointments and failings. And so... When we get to that place, and especially trust is usually associated with other people. So in loving relationships, romantic relationships, even family relationships, where people have let you down, they cheated, they they left unexpectedly, then that form of pain and hurt for somebody usually inspires the another lie that, you know, I can't trust people, especially, you know, if a girl has been harassed by a teacher or a man 
you know, she may later on develop an absence of trust of men, you know, because it was the man that was the quote unquote perpetrator of her suffering. So then that trust issue tends to be equated with another human being, like somebody can do something to me. Mm-hmm. What people don't understand is, and I get it, it's not to say that there are good people out there. There's a lot of unfortunately nefarious people out there as we're seeing in this day and age, right? A lot of people who are just corrupt and they lie and they really want to wish harm on people. And it's, 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 it's sad and it's disgusting, but trust to me is a much bigger conversation. It's, it's not that someone can do something to you, but rather depending on your frequency, which is ironically you doing something to you. So again, if someone's walking around in a construct of I'm not good enough, you're actually the one that is creating harm by living within that narrative. Life will then simply present you with the reflection of that so that you can reconcile it Mm -hmm. if you're awake to it, you know, and this is why people need to be knocked on the head many times as it relates to the things that they still haven't let go of. The woman who keeps attracting a guy who not only doesn't revere her and respect her and love her, but is abusive, whether it's emotionally or physically, she will continue that pattern until she realizes, oh, I'm actually the one abusing myself with the perception that I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. And I can see that that got generated when I was a five or seven. And I went to this particular school and these kids made fun of me because I was a minority or I had different clothes or whatever the experience was. And now as a woman, she's still living within that construct of I'm worthless. Therefore she will attract a mate who meets her there. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's an asshole and I'm not saying he isn't, but it's only by virtue of the fact that you've attracted that. So trust is beyond like I'm going to be secure, trust is actually all encompassing, which is I trust that life will actually give me Mm. what I need so that I can break free. It might not look pretty and it may be discomforting, but I'm actually so trusting that I might subjectively say I want whatever it is. But if I don't get it, I'm trusting enough that actually me not getting it at some level is still for my benefit if I'm awake enough to get the lesson. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. So <laughs> you you tie in, you mentioned this earlier, tying in Ayurvedic medicine, Ayurveda principles uh, into yeah. your practice. How do you do that? How does that work with the things we're talking about here and, and doshas and balancing doshas? And maybe define that for people that are newer to Ayurveda. Sure. I think there's a beautiful symmetry. What I recognize is that, first of all, Ayurveda is is five, 6,000 years old, right? And the fact that the tenants still apply today and it really makes, you know, what we call modern medicine, which is really a sick care system, right? It's not, we don't have a healthcare system. That's one of, talk about lies. That's one of the biggest lies. It's got nothing to do with health. Doctors aren't experts in health. They're phenomenal at maybe dealing with acute disease, you know, like if I'm in a car accident, fantastic. You know, it's brilliant what people can do, but they don't know anything about health. It's disease management. And we could argue that, you know, these big pharma companies don't want people healthy because they don't make money, right? So that becomes a much more, uh, a little bit of a conflicting conversation for people. But anyway, so Ayurveda, why I love it is because it really deals with the subtle energies, like I was saying earlier, the causative factors that then manifest as symptoms that we then call sickness. When you're dealing with a sickness with some sort of exogenous solution, like a pill, an injection, whatever it is, it's too late. You know, it's, You've got to look at what's the underlying that has created the imbalance in the first place. So that's why I bring in Ayurveda, because the mirror between the same physiological approach of like, okay, where are you imbalanced at the subtle level? 
so that we can now manifest vitality, not by giving you some sort of pill or tablet, but rather by seeing that you have at a fundamental level of your physiology, there's an imbalance based on these subtle energies of Vata, Pitta, Kapha, which I'll expand on in a second. So the same principle applies to what I'm doing with the mind. Someone might talk about, I have anxiety or I'm struggling with a relationship or a relationship just broke up and I can't get over it or I don't seem to make enough money. Whatever it is that people are dealing with, the same principle. I'm not going to give them, someone might say they have anxiety. The quote unquote sick care approach would be, okay, I want you to learn to meditate. I want you to do some breathing exercises. Now, that may sort of work for a transitory period, but unless that person is educated as to why do you have anxiety, now they become dependent on this form of a solution, right? Which is why, again, the sick care system is, to me, one of the most barbaric and corrupt because it's no longer medicine. If you've got a refill, that's a drug now. You're addicted. You're dependent. That's not a medicine is curative, right? Like I've taken something for whatever I had and you take it for a week and then you're good. That, that's great. That's a medicine. Mm -hmm. So same with the mind. If someone's giving these external strategies to deal with whatever you think your psychological, emotional issues are, and you become dependent on that, you're actually still not free. So that's where the two systems to me are perfectly correlated. Uh, and what's really powerful is when I shift someone's mindset, help them reveal the deeper constructs, then actually their physiology just automatically finds the natural balance according to their natural constitution. Mm. And the three predominant constitutions, most people are dual constitutions, are Vata, V-A-T-A, which is based predominantly in what we call air and ether or air and space. Those people tend to be like the wind, if you look at the qualities of the wind. So they're very changeable in their life, in their relationships. They move a lot. They tend to be more restless. And the wind is very cooling, so they tend to feel the cold a lot. The wind is very drying, so they tend to have dry skin. And internally, that can lead to things like constipation. The wind tends to be sort of more it's deleterious. It will wear things down. So those people will tend towards the sort of the degenerative issues of arthritis and osteoporosis and stuff like that, where things are being worn down over time. And they, body-wise, the wind is very light, so they tend to be very light frame. Pitta, P-I-T-T-A, tend to be more fire types, like you and myself. We're, you know, more middle body frame, like what we call mesomorph. And it's predominantly fire. There's a little bit of liquid from water in there, but it's mainly fire. So they tend to struggle with inflammatory disorders, right? So it's the IBS, it's the Crohn's, it's the acid reflux, it's the skin irritations, it's the liver issues, the eye issues, the acnes and stuff like that. Rheumatoid arthritis, where there's extra heat in a system. And then the kapha people are more earth and water. So if you imagine mixing earth and water together, it kind of makes a mud which is very, it's heavy relative to the wind. So kapha people tend to be thicker bone. They tend to carry weight more. They have like, you know, mud, very smooth, beautiful skin. They have good thick hair. They have big sort of doughy white eyes. They tend to be super enduring. Like they have incredible stamina. They can skip meals. They tend to stay in relationships too long. They stay in jobs too long. They, they actually need a kicking the butt to get going. Whereas the Vata people need to learn to slow down. They're in a relationship, they're out of relationship, you know? So, so, and everybody has a little bit of everything. It's just, we predominate. So, so all of those characteristics, again, to tie into your question, I notice as soon as I see someone, I can see their constitution. I know if I'm dealing with a Vata person, that one of the predominant things they're going to deal with is some probably anxiety. 
when I deal with a pizza person, I, I know I'm probably going to deal with something to do with perfectionism because fire brings light, right? If it's a dark room, you turn on a flame, you can see. So pizza people tend to be very visually oriented, which is why they tend to be the perfectionists. And they can, in relationships, be the tough ones to be around because they see everything. <laughs> you live with a pizza person, you know about it, right? It's like <laughs> I think you, I you live know, with a pizza person. <laughs> What's that? I said I think I live with a pizza person. But yeah. I love her. But. They will point out the fact that you moved the toothpaste, <laughs> <laughs> and then the cuffer people are just, you know, they tend to have the heavy disposition, so they will accumulate. So they're going to have the obesity and the high cholesterols, but it's psychologically. You know, like our beautiful vatsas tend towards anxiety, more future-based. Our kapha people tend towards more heavy, which is depression and past-based. They get stuck. So it all ties in beautifully. I get asked very often from patients and people in social media, what snacks I love, what snacks I have personally, and what do I recommend to people? A snack that I am a super fan of, and if you listen to The Art of Being Well, you know that I love this stuff. It is the grass-fed beef sticks from my friends at Paleo Valley. I've had them for years. We recommend them to patients as well. They are quality, 100% grass-fed and finished meat from domestic regenerative farms. Supporting regenerative farming whenever you can with your money is imperative. It's very important, I think, uh, just from a consumer standpoint. They are also a gut-healthy snack. Most meat sticks can upset your stomach or disrupt digestion, likely due to the inflammatory side effects of something called encapsulated citric acid. Look out for that on labels, which is used in most meat stick products. Instead, Paleo Valley beef sticks are naturally fermented which creates probiotics for a balanced, healthy gut and eased digestion. They are high-quality, bioavailable protein snacks to grab on the go. Paleo Valley beef sticks are free of hydrogenated oils, making it one of the healthiest meat snacks on the market. So many flavors. Oh my gosh, I love these. My favorite has to be the jalapeno and the teriyaki. But they have summer sausage. They have original. You have to check all the different flavors out. But for sure, pick up jalapeno and teriyaki. So freaking good. All you have to do is go to paleovalley.com, enter code Dr. Will at checkout. That's D-R-W-I-L-L at checkout for 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com. Enter code Dr. Will at checkout for 15% off your first order. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. It contains science-backed electrolyte ratio. Get this. It's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. These are electrolytes with none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Because get this, electrolyte deficiency, something that I see a lot when I'm consulting patients, it's throwing off their energy levels, it's making them fatigued, it's making them anxious, it's making them have insatiable cravings, it's throwing off their blood sugar, it increases headaches, cramps, weakness. I mean, I could go on and on. Electrolyte imbalance is a major problem, especially if you're working out or if you're changing up the way that you eat. One of the most common things that I see with patients is when we fix their electrolytes, all these things improve 
dramatically. Element is so sure you will love their product and come back again and again for more. They are offering you a free Element sample pack that's eight single serving packets completely free. All you have to do is just cover the cost of shipping. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash willcole. This deal is not available on their regular websites. You have to go to this link. It's drinklmnt.com slash willcole. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, drinkelement.com slash willcole. Try it totally risk-free. If you don't like it, share it with a salty friend. We all have one of those. And they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. So you have a protocol. You have protocols and and steps for them, someone therapeutically based off of their dosha. Is that fair to say? To a certain degree. I don't really look at that because that is secondary to me. Until you free someone's mind, it doesn't matter what you do physiologically. I'm, I'm that categorically clear. Okay. But I have people who have limitless resources. You know, they could have private chefs and trainers and, you know, you, people that you know of. And yet they're still dealing with whatever they're dealing with psychologically or physiologically. And that to me is because they still haven't freed their subconscious. So I will always start there because until you free someone's mind, they can be doing all of the greatest behaviors in terms of taking care of themselves, but it's sort of somewhat, it's, it's, it's going to be somewhat for naught over the long run, you know, because you're still going to default back to what your, your primal patterns are telling you about yourself and how you relate to your environment. So, you, you know, if you think that you're not fundamentally enough, even though you've got all of these compensatory patterns of you look beautiful and maybe some people even done surgery or they got the best outfits or all of this and you live in a beautiful home, but there's still going to be this deep-seated restlessness that will manifest physiologically. That's the Einstein part of how that described me is there's still the principle of physics, which is if I'm at the deepest level of my identity feeling inadequate, I cannot not be in sympathetic mode for the majority of my day. And if I'm in sympathetic mode, I'm dumping cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine. I'm not going to digest my food properly. That is going to be deleterious to my organs over time. So it doesn't matter how splendid my trappings are externally, the body's not going to lie, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. Something came to my mind is a few years ago, we were at an event together in the desert in Arizona, as we in wellness tend to be yeah. <laughs> randomly yeah. in a desert together. But, <laughs> but is that you had a session, an impromptu session with the mutual friend of ours, Jordan Stenmark. The Stenmarks were on the show. People can, you know, they learned, they met them on the podcast a few episodes ago. Yeah. You changed his life. I mean, it was like the yeah. buzz of the night is like what you did for <laughs> Jordan Stenmark without going into his own personal like stuff. But like, yeah. what is that? You probably hear that all the time. It's just like some light bulb happened and you yeah. shifted so many things. Do you remember that? And is oh that, my God, of course. Do you, is that normal one session? And like, that's, that's good for people. Well, that's what I was speaking about earlier, right? There's this moment of epiphany. And I remember all of those moments with everyone because it's so profound. Like, this is why I feel like the luckiest guy on the planet because to wake someone up to that which they were previously oblivious to, there's nothing like that. You know, we're all in the service industry at some level. You get so much gratification for the fact that you help people. They've had psoriasis or they've had whatever going on with their gut and you give them a protocol. They feel better. They got more energy. That's beautiful, right? And so you get it. But for me to really fundamentally change the deepest aspect of someone's identity and their programming, 
that's like pulling the rug from beneath everything. That's mm-hmm. not just like this sort of superficial shift, which is nice. This is a this is a, a transcendence of something that they've lived with for decades. I mean, and why it's so profound is they didn't even know they had it, right? Because if you're in that world that got formulated at a young age, that's become your normal. So your normal, which is not actually what's your natural, is one of the ways that I distinguish it. You know, when people are in a world of reality that to them has become completely how they relate to themselves and everybody, that's just life. It's not like there's anything else available. Mm -hmm. So when I show them, you know, reveal, pull the curtain back and show the real wizard beneath, it's like, holy, like what was so powerful about that moment? Because they're twins is that his brother, his twin, was talking to another colleague of ours, Andrew Huberman, you know, in the same corridor. Andrew just presented. And so I was talking to Jordan. And his brother, at the very moment that Jordan got the revelation that I showed him that he was fundamentally living in a lie and the way he related without going into his personal details. But, you know, he was like, wow, I've done that forever. And that was creating his anxiety and his suffering. His brother turned around and said, what just happened? Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's where it really gets, you know, puts the hairs on the back of my neck up because it's like, then you start to understand the power of the quantum realm, which is where everything's interconnected and certainly twin brothers, because they would have redefined constantly their own realities for one another. Right. This is where, when you're in a relationship, you can have these sort of very really unhealthy patterns that people keep reinforcing in each other because your ego wants to be right. Their ego wants to be right. And before you know it, it's really sort of just basically robotic in the way that people interact. Mm -hmm. But when there's a shift sort of in the matrix, so to speak, of someone's mindset, when somebody's connected to that person, it's like, well, what just happened? Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, it was super profound and it never gets old. I mean, it's why I still, you know, I do less and less clients now, but it's like, it's just to show somebody something that they didn't even know was available to them Mm -hmm. and better still is on the other side of what's been creating all of their suffering. Mm-hmm. That's just magic. Yeah. I, I, I'm the worst client. I'm the worst patient as doctors normally are. And I've told you three years ago, I need, I need to see you and I'd never have shamefully, <laughs> but right. I, I, I need, I'm now I'm, it's like the moment where if, if you will take me, I will be a student of Peter. I've got your, you've got my number. <laughs> All right. I'll reach out. How do yeah. you, I mean, for, do you see people in groups now? I mean, how do you typically work with people if they want to get in touch with your work? I mean, I do still some, one-on-one stuff here and there, but because I'm trying to focus on reaching more people and helping more people, I've got different courses. Like I've done a course on anxiety, a course on depression, a course on health, a course on relationships. So these are all available on my site. So, you know, it's, it's, it's both practical because I can help more people. It's also business because I can scale my work. There's only so many people I can help one-on-one, but I do get asked for a ton of keynotes working with companies you know, invited to similar events that we did to go and speak at conferences or course the last year or so that's been less. But I'm, I'm excited to really create the what I consider to be the quintessential program for awakening, which will be off the back of my book. So once a book comes out, then there will be a just a super robust program that will help people go through each of the steps of what holds them back in life so that they can fundamentally step into my main product, which is true freedom. That's amazing. When's the book come out? Does it have a pub date or? 
It doesn't uh, because I'm sort of doing it somewhat myself, not so, like it's with a hybrid company. So they're very sort of, they leave it up to you. It's, <laughs> you know, talk about where I'm actually sort of working on some changes for myself is I get so many amazing people that want to work with me. It's hard to say no. I hear you. Keeps the lights on and they're beautiful people and I love to help. And I don't like to say no, especially when people are suffering. But I'm actually now towards the end of this year going to cut off that so that I can really focus. So I'd like to be finished with the book by you know, beginning of next year, maybe spring. And then it's another four or five months, I guess, after that. So I don't know. It's hard to say, but certainly by 2022, probably earliest, you know, late spring, more realistically, probably summer. Got it. Got it. All right, Peter Crohn. Now, you know, the show is called The Art of Being Well, and we talk about all this stuff, the science and the art of wellness. And this part of the podcast, it's your art of being well. These are, this is Peter Crohn's art of being well, your favorite things, the tools, the tips, the tricks that you've learned in your life that's really enhanced, enhanced your life. So are you ready? It's kind of, uh, I'm going to throw a question at you and you can just, whatever comes to mind. Let's, let's see how I do. I'm, I'm totally open, my friend. I trust, I trust you. There's no wrong answer. No wrong answer. Because I trust the universe. <laughs> That's right. All right. Question number one, if you could choose just one food, if you're stuck on an island, you're talking about nutrient density and survival, what would that food be? And how long am I on the island? Like forever. <laughs> That's a great answer. Like, well, if it's a couple of days, maybe I mean, if a it's for a weekend, I'm just going to take probably a bunch of like mochi balls, dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's indefinite. Like you don't, you don't know purely on nutrient density. What would that be? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say avocado, <laughs> avocado yeah. or coconut, you know? Love it. Yeah. Good answer. Good uh, fat, some protein. Yeah. Good. Question number two, complete opposite. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, regardless of health, health, purely on taste, what would that food be? God, I do have a sweet tooth. So it's probably going to be tough one between mochi balls, strawberry mochi balls. Okay. Or mint choc chip ice cream. Nice. So what's like, where do you get the mochi balls? Where a specific place? I've, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a mochi ball whore, so I'm not like too worried about it. <laughs> that's going to be I the mean, title. Gonna... That's going to be the title of this episode, Mochi Ball Whore. That'll be nice. Right. <laughs> if you're going to have mochi balls, it's not like I'm going to find the gluten-free, grain-free, lactose-free. <laughs> no, it's like, no, just have a mochi ball, like the way it was intended, right? Like, so uh, I, I find them in Whole Foods and I think, you know, like it's in a decent store, but it's like, yeah. I mean, the, if you were to look at the ingredients, I'm sure you wouldn't approve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for your health? You couldn't have sent me these questions ahead of time, right? So I, I'm sorry. I want to hear like the no, real. I'm raw, kidding. Yeah. No, no, no. This, I'm just messing with you. I'm thinking more for the listener. They're like, come on, answer the question. Um, what do I take consistently? See, that's the thing. It's all over the map because it depends on what I feel my body needs. I, I do. I'm a big fan of ashwagandha. You know, I don't know if that qualifies as a supplement. Oh, That's yeah. really an Ayurvedic yeah. herb. But yeah. to me, I look at that as a supplement. And then I think even though it's somewhat new to me, I think magnesium. Yeah. Great. Two great. Because I think we're all, you know, there's there's a myriad of things I know that I could be deficient in, but I think... Yeah, that that's that's helping. Great. All right. What is if you're into biohacking, a lot of our listeners are into biohacks or at least learning about them. What is your latest non-food, non-supplement wellness tool or a biohack that you've been loving lately? 
I'm going to combine two because they're in the realm of thermo adaptations, but it's like both my infrared sauna and my cold plunge. Two friends of mine, you know, gave me the cold plunge. Like, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's beautiful. So what's, what brand I, I is love, it? Do you know? I think it's just called the cold plunge. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful tub. That's all white. I've seen it. Then, yeah. I did see yeah. it. I saw it on your story. It looked amazing. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. So I was very blessed to be gifted that. And um, so I really enjoy that combination of hot and cold. Okay, cool. All right. Next question. What is one wellness myth? And it could be just even a myth, like expand the, the definition of wellness to specifically your work. What is one wellness myth you would like to dispel? The healthcare system. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, that's a little too broad. You know, I'm sure you have some beautiful doctors and nurses who listen. Um, I mean, some, you know, I could speak to that, that like, I'd say the biggest myth is that it is a healthcare. So it's not, it's a sick care system and it's vital and it's brilliant for acute, you know, intervention and triage and emergencies. But if we're going to be healthy as a species, if we're going to get out of this incredibly sick world that we're in, like, especially the States, right? The most medicated mm -hmm. and the most sick. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize it doesn't work. Then, you know, the biggest health myth is that because someone's in a white lab coat with a stethoscope, mm -hmm. that they know anything about health. They may save your life if you have a serious infection and God thank all these incredible surgeons, but we've got to be able to separate the importance of keeping sick care for acute emergencies and saving lives. Brilliant. Nothing does it better. Versus health optimization, which is in that realm of biohacking and people who understand health, right? Equating sick care to health is like going to someone who's in massive debt to find out how to be wealthy. It's true. It doesn't work. I'm going to go and speak to like some of my billionaire clients as to how to become wealthy, right? Yeah. So be inspired by people who are role models, like, you know, yourself, the there's a million guys out there on Instagram and girls who just look exquisitely well. They have great food there. They work out like that's, that's health. Like a gym is more healthcare than a hospital. A hospital is, you know, hopefully a place you never have to go to, but it could save your life. Amazing. Let's keep it. Let's not, you know, a lot of people poo poo the whole thing. That's not going to help either. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest myth is we've got to shift out in language, which is really what I, you know, traffic in is words and helping people understand that words are this, the wardrobe for the soul, as I tell them. And so if you're living in the pretense, it's a complete lie that we have a healthcare system, then you're never going to be healthy. Mm -hmm. It's great in certain circumstances, but yeah. if we're going to find true wellness and the art of being well, then we have to start to change the dialogue of what does health mean? Brilliantly said, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, chronic healthcare, we're one of the last or close to last of all healthcare systems. Yeah, it's so true. All right, next question. What is one wellness brand? It could be a food, it could be a snack, it could be a product that you really that you really have been loving lately and using. I mean, I'm a big fan of, well, in the Ayurveda world, I use Banyan Botanicals. I think they have some great products, but I think my favorite brand, honestly, final answer, Mother Nature. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> the, the mother ultimate, nature the ultimate brand excuse my french but stop fucking around with mother nature these clowns who are behind this whole thing as well right now wanting to gmo everything it's like no mother nature knows what's up 
That's my favorite brand. Final answer. I love it. The best, the best answer I've heard so far. What, okay, this is, I'm so excited to ask you this question. What is one specific spiritual or mindfulness practice or tool that somebody could start implementing today that you've, that has helped you a lot? I mean, as a tool, like if we're getting into the practicalities of it, I really would invite people to just sit down. <laughs> like, you know, when you come from a position of psychological, deep-seated feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, or scarcity, you have no choice but to be in a mild to severe state of urgency, right? And this is the world we live in. You go to major cities where that's really amplified, you know, like not to sort of pick out on New York or, but like, you know, get out of my way. Like everybody's in a freaking hurry. There's a lot of stress and tension. Mm -hmm. So to me, like the greatest, what we're actually looking for is true peace. What do people want? Peace. So what can you do that would actually exemplify for yourself the practice of peace? Now, people will say meditate, right? Yeah, that's great. But what about if you just sit down, ideally outside, preferably with a bit of sun, not where you're getting burnt, but you can feel the rays you can put your feet on the ground and just really pay attention to breathing. Call it meditation if you want. I don't really care. But just to slow down and, and really investigate the degree to which your behavior of panic, urgency, and stress is truly justified versus a reaction to your own narrative that you think there's somewhere to get to. Mm. You know, and I and and I really, I, the one question I would invite people to do to ask themselves, and I pr I propose this in a lot of my workshops and stuff, is as they're sitting there, ask the question: Who would I be in the absence of all my concerns? So if they're sitting there and they go, "Who would I be in the absence of all my concerns?" Every concern is psychological. It may look like it's even if you have a physical disorder, it's just what it is. I'm not saying it's great, but the concern is your relationship to it, psychological. So that would give people an access and an invitation to feel the depth of true serenity and stillness that I assert is our absolute innate nature. Mm -hmm. When you're not caught up in the trappings and the the circus that is trying to fix your circumstances and make everything perfect. Mm. So that's what I'd invite people to do. I love it. So good. All right. What is one book that you've read in the last year that has really inspired you? It could be on anything. I haven't read it in terms of starting and finishing in the last year. It's something that I've had by my book, by my bedside for about 20 years, but I'm still going to quote it because it's probably my favorite. It's called, I am that by Sri Nisar Gadatta, who's like this quintessential Indian guru. It's funny because prior to my first main podcast that I'd done a couple of years ago, and subsequently I've been flattered to be asked to be on many like yours, but you know, I'd never referenced that book or recommended it to more than two people because it's a dense read and it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> when I went on my first podcast, he asked a similar question, what's your favorite book? I wasn't going to lie. It's not my nature. So I just said it. And then all of these people are like, oh my God, <laughs> how'd you read this? <laughs> so I just have to be honest that if anyone wants to try and get it, you know, be prepared. It's a, it's a, it's like having a Thanksgiving meal every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? Is it sort of existential? Uh, no, it's just transcripts from his satsang. So okay. a traditional teacher has satsangs, which means people would come to an ashram or a space and just sit and listen and pose questions. So it's just transcripts from all the questions. 
but they're very heady questions and even more profound responses, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah. Got it's, it. Uh, is there a spiritual tradition that you resonate with more? Is it more of Eastern Hinduism or Buddhism or is it, or you pick something up from everything? I, I pull tenants from all of them. I, I will sometimes quote things from, you know, Christianity, certainly pull from Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, like yoga, Ayurveda are all part of the lifestyle of Hinduism. Hinduism is, you know, might be sort of categorized as a religion. I think it's much more like a lifestyle. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pull things from all sorts of places. I, I, I think true spirituality transcends all dogmatic or any sort of traditional religions. You know, I think religions are great and it helps a lot of people to have community or to have discipline or to have something to shoot for, Mm -hmm. but it's still fragmented, right? It's like, if you're one thing, then you're not the other. And I tend to be all things. I want, uh, I appeal to unity, which is embracing all versus I'm going to be over here, you know, and you're over there. And at the worst that you're over there and I'm over here could lead to bloodshed. Right. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. All you have to do is look at the wars throughout history. It's yeah, largely driven by ideology and tribalism. Religion. Yeah, and religion. And what it. is religion? It's just another conversation. Like, again, it's like literally a religion is just a bunch of words in different order. And if my words are in one order and yours are in a different, I, I could potentially hate you. It's just absolutely based in pure ignorance as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Yeah. And if you want to follow something, great. But it's a flat out lie for someone to say, I am something like for someone to say, I am Christian in the way that I view life and the way that I teach people. That's a flat out lie. Mm-hmm. You may subscribe to Christianity through a choice, but invariably it's not even a choice. It was conscious. It's usually something you inherited because you had to, and your parents took you to church and that's great. You know, you can say there's a lot of beautiful behaviors that that child picked up by being in that community. But to declare yourself as one thing is where we start to run into trouble. It's no Mm -hmm. different than someone saying, I'm a loser. You know, Mm -hmm. they really might believe that, but it's also, you know, that's not going to be beneficial to their Mm -hmm. capacity to make a difference in the life or have a good relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. So wherever we have, I am something, it's, uh, I would assert it's always a lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so much of it's steeped, I think, in ego, right? And, and, and rightness. They, they worship their own rightness. And yeah, well, that's the ego's number one priority is to be right about itself. And so, you know, as I tell people, you fight for your limitations, they're yours, right? That's the fascinating thing about my work is whoever I'm helping, they actually don't even realize that they're fighting for inadequacy. They're trying to prove insecurity. They're wanting to justify scarcity. It's like, that's the madness of the ego yes. is it really wants to be right about its own shortcomings. <laughs> it's like, yes. all right, well, good luck. And then you wonder why people have to drink so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I'm loving this conversation. All right. Last question. We have to go. What is your mm. favorite restaurant in the world? And what do you order when you go there? Oh, golly, that's a big one. I'm, I mean, I haven't been to a restaurant for so long now. With remember, all the, remember the not, olden days where we went yeah. out to restaurants? What's a restaurant? Sorry, I wasn't from ready. From the before, from the before. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, one that comes to mind is, it's, I've forgotten the name of it now, even. I think it was. We can add it to the notes Rose later. Bay. It's okay. in Rose Bay in, in Sydney, Australia. And yeah, there's some great memories from that place. I lived there for a while, worked with a couple of people making films and it was just at a time in my life where, you know, you're young, dumb and just, just doing silly things and it was just fun. But they have, again, my sweet tooth is, uh, is revealing me, but they have a pavlova. Do you know what a pavlova is? I don't know. Teach me. 
So Pavlova was, and there was a, I think, Bulgarian chef and maybe an Austrian ballerina or the other way around. I don't know. But her, her name was Pavlova. And so this, this chef made in her honor this particular dessert, which has got a meringue base, and then it's filled with really good whipped cream and then it's berries. You know, and you might see these as nesting things now that are just like more like plastic. But when it's made really well, it's just an exquisite experience because it's got the softness, but the crunch of the meringue and then the freshness of the berries. And if it's really good whipped cream, you know, hopefully people at home are already starting to salivate. But <laughs> so for whatever reason, they just had this really great pavlova. So yeah, that's that's certainly one that comes to mind. But gosh, so many places that I've been blessed to I have good it. food. Good answer. It was great. Peter Crone, thank you so much for being on the podcast. My friend, well, it's great to see you. I miss you. And uh, yes. thank you for having me on. I hope that your listeners garnered some uh, relief, some insight, maybe a little hints of wisdom and a you know, a spattering of Austin Powers, baby. Yeah, you got to have fun, baby. Don't take it all so seriously. <laughs> I know. I know they did. Thanks again. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Kara or Kara, either one. Sorry about that. Kara or Kara. The question is, what are you most excited about professionally and personally in the coming year? Thanks for the question. All right, let's think about this. Professionally, I would say my heart and my passion has always been my patients and my clinical work. I love what I get to do. I'm basically held up in this room. They let me out <laughs> from time to time to eat and go to the bathroom and see my wife and kids and, and dogs. But for the most part, 10, 11 hours a day, I'm here at the Functional Medicine Dental Health Clinic. And I just love it. It's so creative and rewarding, a sacred responsibility for me to be a part of somebody's health journey and reimagine the best, most immersive, effective way to get somebody healthy, both from a clinic management standpoint and also from a, a, a protocol standpoint too, and really dive into the latest research and applying this in people's lives. So professionally, what I'm most excited about is just continuing that and deepening that and expanding what that looks like and optimizing it the best it can be with, with myself and my team. So recently, we launched an online group health care model. I've always done one-on-one -on -one concierge functional medicine telehealth via webcam, and we ship labs to wherever they're at, and we're clinically monitoring them and coaching them and guiding them one-on-one. -on -one. So that's great, and we still do that, and that's predominantly what our patients are the model of care that they're in, but there's only so many hours in a day. So when I launched the group model, it was born out of necessity of reaching more people, helping more people, and making sure functional medicine is more accessible and more affordable to, to more people around the world. So I'm so excited for this community to continue to grow because what it also does is not only enables us, myself and my 
my team to help more people, but it also enables this beautiful community online to be there, to have similar people and have people that are in similar health journeys really come together and be a support system, which is cathartic in healing in and of itself. But it also enables me to, to reach more people and help more people and make it sure, make sure functional medicine again is more accessible and affordable. So I'm very excited about that continuing to grow and making the one-on-one concierge care the best it can be too. So honestly, it's more of that over the next year I'm really excited about. And this podcast, I love it. I'm writing, uh, so TBD on that when when the next book will come out and what it's about, stay tuned. It's gonna be really exciting. So all of that stuff professionally, I'm the most excited about. And just for reference, the online group health model, the telehealth model, to learn more about that, you can go to autoimmunehealthreset.com. Again, that's autoimmunehealthreset.com. It's for anybody with different inflammatory problems, autoimmune problems, brain fog, and fatigue and hormonal problems specifically. So if you want to learn more about that, you can learn more about it there. And then anybody that's interested in more of the concierge one-on-one model, go to drwillcole.com. And personally, what I'm most excited about is honestly, as the world is opening back up in many ways to be able to travel more, I've missed that. I'm a homebody by nature, so don't get me wrong. I, I definitely love being at home and just chilling out with my family and not really doing anything. So in that way, the pandemic has really served me well. But too much of a good thing, right? Even us introverts want to get out and travel sometimes. So I'm excited to be able to travel more uh, for work and with my family. Uh, It's just, yeah, it's good to get back out and, and fly on a plane again. It's been too long. So definitely travel from a personal standpoint I'm the most excited about. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.